in passing them today. I think we're gonna do a great job. Join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. I'm excited to have on the podcast with us out of Nashville, Tennessee, mind coach, strongman, speaker, David Whitley, joining us on the call. David, great to have you, brother. It's great to be on here, Ted. Thanks a bunch for having me on, and I'm I'm glad we were able to connect the, the um, pre-recording conversation that we were having has got me fired up already yeah. so i'm i'm happy to meet you and happy to be on your show and, and looking forward to a good conversation no nah, absolutely and before <laughs> we start our conversation um i i love to just make sure i give the guests an opportunity to introduce themselves in their own words and kind of meet the audience without me getting in the way so please take the microphone let the audience know who you are what you do how we got here and we can start our conversation all right i'll give the very long short version of it because I've, I've been doing a lot of different things for a long time. They're a lot of fun. Um, as a little kid, I was overweight, had a terrible stutter, would get called on for to answer questions in class or book report day, that kind of stuff, and would just fall apart with the stutter, got bullied, picked on, really, really got enamored of superheroes and science fiction and fantasy and comic books. Then Lou Ferrigno showed up on my television set one night, painted green, and this was in an era before bodybuilding was a known thing. You know, it's before anyone knew who Arnold was. There was Ferrigno playing the Hulk. And it switched, uh, a switch flipped in my mind because I loved the Hulk because he was huge and he was strong and he was invincible and he was fueled by that anger. And because I was picked on the way I was, I was a pretty angry kid. Not like terribly, terribly angry getting in trouble, but but I had some resentment around all of that. And so I really identified with the Hulk. And when Ferrigno showed up, on my TV, my little child mind was able to put it together. That's not a suit. That's mm -hmm. not a costume. I mean, he obviously he's painted and has the prosthetics and the that sweet yak hair wig and everything, but that was a man's body. And I'm like, okay, how did he get that way? Um, a failed attempt through the paper, the classified ads in the paper to find gamma rays um, led me to um, looking for various different ways to do it and i sort of abandoned it and then not too long after that probably within a year or so of that the movie pump and iron came on um television okay and so there's louis there's arnold there's franco colombo there's all of these massive champion bodybuilders of the day lifting weights and i'm like okay so that's how they do it i got a set of weights i started lifting when i was before i was 10 years old and that's been an on again off again thing that has been mostly on and i'll be 54 next week so i've been doing this for a long time nice um completely enamored of strength um got involved in music for a while because my dad was a musician but you know we could take a tangent on that 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 got me comfortable in front of people um strength got me strong interest in health all of that sort of stuff about 20 years ago a little over 20 years ago i got involved in the kettlebell phenomenon when it was um before it was there was even a ground floor they were like breaking ground to lay the foundation i was involved in that from the very get-go um was a master instructor in a couple different organizations certifying people to use kettlebells and that allowed me to take my love of strength turn it into a business um, through that, I met my mentor of the performing strongman arts, a guy named Dennis Rogers, who is considered to be a grandmaster strongman and is the pound for pound, the strongest man in the world. He's about five, nine, about 165 pounds when he was at his peak. He's in his mid sixties now, but when he was at his peak, he was completely untouchable. Um, 
I met him through uh, another very strong mutual acquaintance, a guy named Bud Jeffries, who's not with us anymore, but was also one of the strongest men ever. Dennis taught me how to do feats of strength, like bending steel bars, ripping decks of cards in half, driving a nail through a board without a hammer, twisting horseshoes, all of that sort of stuff. And he encouraged me to develop it not only as a a means of entertainment and physical expression, but to take the message that was whirling around in different places in my mind crafted into a talk and i became a performing strongman slash keynote speaker wow so this little, <laughs> this little weak chubby kid that stuttered grew up to be a performing strongman who would speak in front of crowds of hundreds and hundreds of people um, biggest crowd I ever spoke in front of there were about 750 people in the room and it was webcast they told me to over 100,000 people around the world mm-hmm. which was strange but cool um but through all of that, the the common factor that it keeps coming back to is the power of the mind, the power of getting a clear vision of who you want to be, not just what you want to do, but who is the person that does the things that you want to do? What kind of life do they live? How are they thinking? How are they acting daily? You know, the the minutia of the the details that add up to create the big picture of it. And so that became my message. Um, I wrote a book called superhuman you yeah. that sort of uh i published that back in when 2015 um something like that it sort of documents my journey up to that point and developing the power of the mind and imagination and mental rehearsal and all that sort of stuff has been the thing that i've been doing the most drawing on old school teachers like wallace waddles napoleon hill neville goddard who we started talking about um before we started recording that sort of stuff but applying it to my strongman stuff then i realized that okay this works for all goal achievement not just being able to bend a bigger piece of steel or rip a deck of cards so i started working with my clients in the gym with it i started coaching people in the development of the mind apart from physical feats yeah um and then um in 2018, my son was born and being on the road went from being an adventure to being a chore. Mm-hmm. It used to be that I would get on a plane and be like, yes, I'm going to wherever and I'm going to meet new people and see exciting new things. And then when my son was about three or four months old, I got on a plane to go to Munich to do a show and was literally the entire time on the flight thinking, how long before I get back home? So there was a big shift for me in there. And I realized, um, which is where we, where we land now that that mental training aspect of mental rehearsals, visualization, understanding who you want to be, all the stuff that I'd used to build success in these different areas. The most important thing that I'm ever going to do is be a father to this son of mine, right? How do I take all of that and use it to become the best possible father that I can be, to look back on my own history and see what generational cycles of negativity or conflicting beliefs or limited thinking am I still carrying around that I haven't gotten over yet because I don't want to pass those on to him. Yeah. And I realized once I started doing that, like like I I took a piece of paper when we found out for sure. We had a very difficult time. A lot, we had some a lot of trips to the fertility clinic to get my son here. And when we found out for sure that it was going to happen, I took a piece of paper and started writing down values and qualities and, and ideas and things that I wanted to instill into him. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at the list and I'm like, oh, shit, about two thirds of this stuff, I'm not living up to myself right now. And I understand that children will model what we do far more than 
do you know do as i yeah. say not as i do doesn't work never has it never will so i'm like okay I have, yeah i have to become this guy yeah i have to be that guy when i am not aware that he's paying attention to me i have to still be that guy and my so that that's become my mission and now i'm i'm coaching guys with that sort of stuff that's that's my main thing now so that brings us up to right now that's amazing brother <clears throat> um there's there's a lot to unpack because i'm i'm curious from the 10 year old kid to the strong man mm -hmm. ripping decks of cards um for an adult and for a lot of the guys listening they could probably understand a task being ahead of them the task taking some time to complete and sticking to the plan for a while even for us as adults patience could be hard to acquire how do you teach a 10 year old boy that picking up the weight today does not give him the body tomorrow it's next month next year next, mm -hmm. like the the patience aspect how did you i guess deal with the gap between who you envisioned and who you were at a young age I don't really remember. And, you know, no one has actually asked me that before. That is, that's a fascinating question. <laughs> I'm so glad we did this call today. Um, when I was, you know, nine or 10 years old, I got, it, now that you say that, I remember getting the weights. I got them for Christmas and I cracked them open and I, and I like picked them up and like looked at the little instruction manual, did a set of curls with a 10 pound dumbbell or whatever. And like, then went to the mirror and started flexing. And I remember my sister who is nine years older than me telling me, it's not going to happen that fast. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, but I started not too long after that, picking up muscle magazines and I got a book. It's over on my bookshelf somewhere. Um, the incredible Lou Ferrigno, because, you know, I was enamored of him. So I got, that was the first muscle book that I got. And in the book, I remember him talking about, um, being patient that it takes time to develop a quality physique and it takes time to get stronger and and all of that sort of stuff so i guess i just very early on um picked up on the idea that even even the great wall of china was laid one brick at a time mm -hmm. and so um i just kept doing it but i think the main thing for me now as well as back then is i enjoy training i enjoy the feeling of going from not moving not doing anything sitting still to getting my body moving lifting something heavy bending something difficult you know doing some feat of strength that requires a fair amount of exertion and then the feeling that comes after that there's a sense of accomplishment that i think on a on a primal level that sort of thing um takes us back to prehistoric times right it connects us with our unwritten past of either you can do the thing or you can't do the thing. And in doing the thing, you, you become the person, but you have to become the person that does the thing. So it, it's all interrelated. So yeah. at that age, I think I, I just very much enjoyed how it made me feel in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then of course, after a few months of getting stronger, where, where, when I first got the set of weights, I don't have any specific numbers on this, but like a weight that I could move five or six times, that felt very heavy, you know, a few months later, I was moving 10 or 12 times and it didn't feel as heavy, you know, that's, it's, it's observable and measurable. Yeah. So that's, that's the cool thing about the physical aspect of doing that is it teaches you to be able to see very concretely in the 3d world that we live in. Here is what progress looks like. Yeah. 
That's fantastic because I think so many folks, when you, when you get that clear vision, a lot of people focus on the destination more so than the process. But I think the, the vision is the compass, right? The, the process is, is the rose and the steps that, that you head towards. You want to keep your eye on the vision, but it's the action along the way. He who falls in love with walking gets farther than the person who's in love with the destination. Yes. You percent. You keep walking. And as you get that progress, it almost becomes addicting <clears throat> because you start seeing the results almost, um, are becoming inevitable. So when you're yeah. looking at that picture, it's not a question if you're going to get there, it's when you're going to get there and you just keep moving. Well, and, and a cool thing about things like feats of strength, like taking a deck of cards and yeah, I'm, can hear the plastic ripping i like that <laughs> brand new fresh deck i always do that so that because people on the internet will be like oh no he he cut those or they're modified some way or no just no um when i first learned how to do the feed ripping a deck of cards i couldn't do a full deck i wasn't strong enough mm -hmm. and so my mentor dennis told me see how many you can actually do and so i split the deck wind up splitting the deck in half this is not quite half i got one on each side so I got two suits in one hand and two suits in the other hand, right? I could rip a half a deck and it was probably a six out of 10 on an effort scale. And okay. he said, okay, great. Keep it comfortable like that. And then rip five or six half decks two or three times this week. And then next week, add one single card. Oh. Now think about this math for a moment. 52 cards in a deck, if we take out the jokers and the instructions, 52 weeks in a year. If I can rip half the deck, I can rip 26 cards. If I follow that schedule, adding just one card per week, I'm able in six months to rip a full deck to go from half a deck to a full deck, right? Yeah. I actually did it a little bit faster than that because I, you know, I got enthusiastic about it and my strength developed. But I went from not being able to to do, I don't know, 40 cards or so, just couldn't do it, but a half a deck I could, to being able to watch real close right here. To be able to just grab it and get the little ah. like that. And they pop right in half. And <laughs> when you practice it enough, you get to where you can He's gonna pretty easily again. quarter it, right? Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, that's a cool feat. And yeah, it makes for strong hands and all that. But the important underlying thing that I always want to stress there is even if you can't do it now, be the person that, that sees themselves doing it and do what my one of my my inspirations and, and mentors in strength and a guy named marty gallagher said he calls it creeping incrementalism mm -hmm. get better each time to a degree that's almost imperceptible mm -hmm. to like like add enough that you know that you've added but that you don't really notice it in the moment right because one card doesn't make that much difference yeah but, but when you start stacking days like that, or in that case, it's weeks, but you know, we can, we can treat that as a daily activity for some non-physical thing, right? If I can get each day or each week can get just a tiny little bit of improvement in some area or in all areas over the course of six months or a year or five years, it's going to be phenomenal, right? Yeah. You can so that get better along the way. Yeah, and that particular feat is a very, very uh, good illustration of that that concept, that principle of creeping incrementalism. But you know what doesn't work 
is if you do that and you add one card next week and you add one card the week after that, and then you stop for three months. That's what derails so, so many people. If iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. But if you're a man and you're alone or listening to this, then who sharpens you? What's going on, guys? Ted Thayton here, host of the Modern Man Podcast, also founder of the Noble Knights Mastermind Group. And I'm just out here encouraging you to find your circle. Maybe you're on a personal growth journey and nobody around you understands the new mentality that you're possessing. That's okay. You can find an online community that will pour into you, will navigate your goals and navigate your obstacles, share their experiences, resources, and more. Join the Noble Knights Mastermind Group and try us out for free to tap into a community of men helping each other scale up and reach their goals. Check out themodernmanpodcast.com. Yeah, it's all about that consistency. How does consistency in um, mm. training to become a strong man bleed into when you became a father? Because I know you mentioned writing all those things down. And then now, I love the way you said it. I wrote it down. The adventure became the chore. Now you can't wait to you know get back home to your son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What were some of the, because I think when we're first where we're at, your life transitioned. You had the tools, you had the skill sets that you had, right? You start with what you have and then build what you want. Mm-hmm. What did you have as a strong man when you first came out the gate as a father? And how has that had, propelled you forward? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I had a good understanding. Um, obviously, there's the physical training aspect that goes along with that, right? And my son has seen me do these things that other people don't do. Yeah. From day one. And a quick little aside on that. I have a TikTok account and the um, highest performing video that I have on there is not of me. It's of him. And we're out in the area where I train and I've never once pushed him to do anything. He's just very naturally allowed his it, it, his childlike curiosity to to get him there. Um, he's seen me drive the nail through the board many, 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 many times. And I would give him the nail and I would give him the pad that goes in it. And he would just whack on the board and, you know, kind of like a woodpecker type thing. And I'm telling him he's doing great. One day he, he said, can I drive the nail? He was, he was not quite four years old at the time or right around four years old. And he just turned five. So this has been a while. And I said, sure. And I decided to, for whatever reason, decided not only to video it, but to do it in slow motion. Yeah. And so his very first time, coming down and sticking the nail in the board. It didn't penetrate all the way through, but it stuck in to the point that he pulled the pad away and he was like looking at it because it was, Oh, it actually stuck in the board. Yeah. And he had to wrestle and get it out has gotten 4.7 million views. (laughs) The interesting thing there is when I shared that video with other performing strongmen that I know that know that feat and understand how it works Every single one of them made a comment on his technique and how good it looked Mm. and how just aligned and how focused he was. Because that particular feat, if you have any fear or you have any doubt, it's not going to happen. He was totally committed, right? And the funny thing to me there was I never once told him to do anything technique-wise except to make sure that his other hand is not on top of the board when he drives the nail. Yeah. Keep it over here. Hold on to the stand underneath the board if you want to. Don't put it on top of the board. Other than that, have fun with it. Um, so his his mirror neurons picked up on me physically doing that, and you know energetically he's picked up on me just doing that. And that's just part of what we do. So 
that was a very good validation of everything that I was thinking of before he was even born, when my wife was pregnant, of the way that we think and the things that we think about and how we use our imagination and not just the thoughts that we originate, but the thoughts that we consent to that come externally to us mold and shape everything we do. And at the age of birth up to where he is now at five, he's just now getting to the point where he can either consent to a thought or reject a thought, right? When a kid's two years old, they're just, they're a sponge. It's just going in. Take it all and in. so whatever, whatever they're exposed to repeatedly becomes a part of their, their identity becomes a part of their self image. And so I wanted to make sure that as much as I possibly can, I am throwing things at him idea wise, thought wise, energy wise, that are going to build him into um, a productive, well-adjusted man. Right. And the idea of that consistency of adding one card per week, I can sit down and have a talk with him one day and really fully explain everything and act that way one day. But if, if I'm a, a piece of crap every other day of his life, it's not going to have much of an impact on him. Yeah. Conversely, if I have an off day and I'm not living up to the standard that I've set for myself as a dad, that's not going to have a huge effect on him long-term either, as long as I'm consistent all around, right? It's that consistency and that getting it, the, the perpetual improvement and the perpetual idea of I'm getting better, I'm getting better, I'm getting better, and not beating myself up when I make a mistake. Um, and he is to the point now that if he makes a mistake, he'll apologize and he'll say something like, well, everybody makes mistakes, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, so bringing that that sort of mentality of, of falling down is part of learning to walk. Failing is part of getting better. Um, is is that's how I approach strength training, right? Uh, my technique is when I first start doing something is not going to be great. Yeah. The better the technique gets, the more efficient the movement gets. Now I can start to add resistance to it. It's exactly the same sort of thing in interacting with him. And so when I wrote that list out, um, one of the ideas that I had, we were talking about various uh, metaphysical authors earlier. Are you familiar with Wallace Waddles? No, you read it in his stuff. The Science of Getting Rich is his most well-known book. Mm -hmm. He talks about, he's not the only one that talks about it. This is where it jumped off the page at me. He talks about something called the impression of increase or the law of increase. Okay. And what that is, and, and he's writing about it from a from a, a an accumulation of wealth and building a business standpoint, but it's a universal law. So it applies outside of that. The idea is that. If you're my customer and you pay me a certain amount of money for a service or a product, it is incumbent upon me to give you more value than you paid me for. So if you pay me $1,000 for something, I want to give you $10,000 worth of value, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's just sort of the general idea there. I'm like, but this works everywhere. So my underlying intention with everything that I do as a dad is... In every single interaction that I have with my son, I'm going to see if I can find a way to leave him better off than he was before that interaction. And that's my daily card that I'm adding to the stack, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, Took the question right out of my mouth. 
<laughs> yes. Um, well, first of all, the in, in that same book, there's a chapter called The Advancing Man. And that really spoke to me that he he describes leaving everyone around you with this impression of increase. The advancing man is someone who knows who he wants to be and knows that he's on the path to get there. And he's actively advancing toward becoming that man, right? Nice. So what it looks like on the day-to-day with a kid who just turned five can vary so much. It's amazing. And 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 it, it can be something as simple as he's unwrapping some, you know, something like a piece of candy or something, and he drops the wrapper and we're outside. And I'm like, hey, buddy, pick that up. We're going to go throw it in the trash can because I don't want to litter, right? Leave, just yeah. leaving that impression with him, right? Something just as, as as simple and as seemingly trivial as that. Or another type of situation that that uh, that wound up happening last December. Um, one of the things that, that I'm very um, passionate about is allowing children to experience and express the emotions that they have, because otherwise they're not going to be able to learn to regulate those emotions. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the generation of, um, generally speaking, boys don't cry. Yeah. And, and there's still a lot of that that goes on now, but it was, it was even more prevalent when I was a kid. And what that means is you're not allowed to feel sad. And you're not allowed to feel anything that would make you cry. You need to bottle all that up and just carry it with you. And I, I think that there's well, default a, that to mad. That that's what a lot of us learn how to. Yeah, do. yeah. Well, and, and that's or what we happens. default to mad. Well, we default to mad because we're taught not to be pussies, right? Stand yeah. up and be a man, be aggressive, and that has its place. But when every single unpleasant emotion that you have is not allowed to be expressed. And you're taught to be aggressive, everything becomes anger then at that point, right? You get you get depressed, you lash out. You get sad, you lash out. And that's I don't think that there is a I don't think it's a coincidence that men's mental health and anxiety and suicide rates and all that stuff, especially among fathers, is really, really high. And that we're taught that from a very young age. Yeah. That it's not okay to feel these things, or it's okay to feel them, just don't express it. And Keep I saw a guy talking about, yeah, I'm I'm kind of tangenting on this, but I feel good about it, so it's all good. Keep going. I saw, I saw a guy recently, um, a psychologist talking about there are two, two like milestones in emotional development among boys that happen that are critical. One of them happens at around five years old when he starts to understand that that. that men and women operate differently as a general rule right and um starts the example that he, difference yeah yeah like especially emotionally is, is is what this guy was talking about and he said that one of the one of the clients that he worked with or one of the study the cases that he studied or something like that one, the guy told him he was never was never explained to him that as a man, he wasn't supposed to cry, but he remembered being like five years old or six years old and being at a funeral and the women were crying, but none of the men were. And like the guy, that was such an impactful memory for him that as a grown man, he can trace back his, his like inability to express his emotions to that moment because it was this room full of men and everyone was sad, but the men weren't crying. I'm going to be a man. It must not be okay for me to cry. And so he internalized all this stuff, right? Um, 
And then the second critical moment comes at about the age of 15. And the the example, the guy was, I wish I could remember the, the who it was that I saw talking about this because I, uh, you know how it is, you start going down the YouTube hole yeah, of all the hole. related content. And um, he was talking about it around the age of 15, the, um, the, um, the Lion King thing happens. And if you remember the scene from the Lion King where um, Simba and the other two whose names I'm drawing a blank on, they're laying Mon on the back looking up at the yeah, they're looking up at the stars and they're talking about where the stars come from. Yeah. And what they think it means. And Simba, um, I haven't seen the movie in a very long time. So I'm I'm if I yeah. if I butcher the plot line, bear with me on this. But Simba starts to open up and he says, Well, I think that those stars up there are my ancestors. And, you know, he goes into this bit about, you know, it, it's very um vulnerable um, sentimental to him. It's very vulnerable to him. He's very yeah. vulnerable about it. And then the other two are like, really, you think that seriously? And he kind of does the nervous, like, no, no, I was just joking, you know? And he, the guy that, that, um, the psychologist that I was, that I'm talking about, um, and hopefully I'll remember his name. I'll send it to you because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like on a quest to go find him now. Um, he said that of the, the boys that he talked to between the ages of 14 and 16, almost all of them reported feeling that way and identifying with how Simba was there. And so it's a matter of all of us at that age, our boys sitting around feeling these things. And when we go to be vulnerable, it's almost the expectation that we're supposed to like come down on each other. Yeah. That, so that, so that we're not vulnerable. We rag and, on each other and we kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, things. and it, it might yeah, be and, all in fun, but not necessarily. Yeah. Well, and, and what I've come to understand that, that if, if someone insults me mm -hmm. and, and in that way, like is, is trying to put me down, it's probably because I've said or done something that has triggered a vulnerable emotional response in them that they're not cool with. Yep. Uh oh, this is making me feel uncomfortable. I got to shut this down by making it funny the mirror. or by being a hard ass or something like that. And so um, I'm taking it upon myself to make sure that my son understands that that's how people are. And that he may experience that, but it doesn't have to be that way, that, that whatever emotions he has, he can express them. So having said all that, going back to December, it was my dad's birthday. My dad passed away in 2020. Um, Sorry for that news. Thanks. And um, we had a, we had a, we had a good relationship. It was up and down. I loved my dad. He was always supportive of me. Um, he and my mom both came from very um, physically um, hands-on punishment, spanking, belts, that kind of stuff. They they yeah. cut all that out with me. I, I was never spanked or anything like that. But um, there were a lot of other stuff that he brought, that they both brought, that they passed on to me unknowingly. They did the best they could with what they had. But toward the end of his life, my dad and I started getting closer and closer and closer. and um thankfully about three days before he passed away my sister called me she was staying with him and she knew what was up he knew what was up his mind was sharp his body was failing him um yeah. cancer all of that stuff so i went and spent the day with him and we had we had the most wonderful afternoon together because both of it we didn't come right out and say it but both of us knew that Whatever we say today, this is probably going to be the last time we have a chance to sit down as grown men one-on-one -on -one and, and have a talk. So anything that needed to be said got said that day. 
And um, a few days later, he was gone. The biggest pain for me is that my son was only a year and a half old at the time. Mm. And this is his only grandson. All of my siblings, my, my brother and my sister had girls. This was his only grandson. And so when my son was born, it was a great joy to my dad because the name's going to carry on because it was going to end with me, right? Um, and so on his birthday, I'm having a moment that yeah. lasts all day. And I'm like, I'm missing him, right? And I'm sitting around and I'm just kind of, being affected by it. And my son comes up to me and he says, why does your face look like that? Like, it's an interesting question from a four-year-old. I said, what do you mean? What, like, what does my face look like? And he studies me really intently for a minute. And he says, you look sad. Are you sad, daddy? And I said, well, yeah, I am sad. And I take about 30 seconds and explain to him well, he asked me why I take about 30 seconds and explain to him, well, today's my daddy's birthday. My, he knows that my daddy's gone. We'll never see him again in, you know, in the flesh. Yeah. I said, and I'm missing him. And I'm very much sad that he's not going to get to see you grow up. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to you, Ted, about it right now. I'm getting emotional about it. So yeah, talking to him about it and processing through that in real time myself, tears streaming down my face, bearing my soul to a four-year-old. <laughs> My initial response when he asked me, am I sad, was like, no, I'm good. That I mean, I felt that coming up in me, and I thought this is an opportunity for me to leave him better off by telling him what's really going on with me and showing him how a grown man experiences and expresses grief. And so I say all this stuff, and I was tears running down my face. And after I get done, he goes, okay, walks out of the room and goes and starts playing and doing whatever he was doing, right? And, yeah. and it occurred to me that the, the real power there is how much expressing a feeling is normalized there, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, did I leave him better off today? Yes, because whether he consciously recognizes that or not, I can be very hopeful that I've stacked the cards in his favor that when he's my age, he won't be one of those guys that bottles it all up and, you know, pours whiskey on top of it or, you know covers yes, up with yeah. porn or whatever, you yeah. know, or lashes out at people. So um, that's a, a, a very long way around saying this is what it looks like to leave him off. That's awesome. Uh, leave, leave him better off with, with, uh, with every interaction. That's awesome. Knowing that our, our kids are going to absorb and imitate the things that we show them. And they're going to be taking interpretations of the world. We don't even have any clue. As, mm -hmm. as to how it's going to be. So being intentional is, is huge. Uh, David, I know this is just the tip of the iceberg of some of the the value and the knowledge of, of what you offer and what you could share. I'd love for the audience uh, to to have a way to connect with you, have a way to contact you, and of course, uh, follow up and, and work with you if it's appropriate for them. Sure thing. Um, the easiest way to find me is on social media. Um, it's either Dave Whitley or Iron Tamer. That's my strongman name. I-R-O-N-T-A-M-E-R. -E um, best website for anything that's related to the kind of stuff we've been talking about is theadvancingmanproject.com slash join. That's There's a little thing there to get on the email list. Um, um, advancingmanproject.com slash join. I love it. And um, so the last question I say for the end, it's usually the heavy one. And if you if something mm -hmm. you've mentioned already, that that's be... That's perfect to answer too. But what is something you've seen or something that's happened to you that shapes the way you view the world as a man? 
Mm. Most recently. Mm. Um, Because, you know, there's, there's a lot leading up to this point, but most recently, since my son has gotten to the age of, of being consciously aware of himself and doing toddler things and going through emotional development. Um, again, I come from the, from the time and a lot of the culture still exists of if your kid is throwing a tantrum, that means you've lost control of that child. And there's something wrong with you as a parent, because that child is doing that. I've taken it upon myself to learn more about child development and realize that that's not a personal affront. That is just that kid processing an emotion, right? Yeah. Um, a good example of that is he got a new water bottle, like a metal water bottle with Spider-Man, and he immediately dropped it and put a scratch on it. He <laughs> barely could even see the scratch. Huge, huge emotional reaction. He was, <laughs> he had just turned four, I think, at this time. Huge emotional reaction. And I, we just let him let him feel it and talk to him about it. And he's like, my water bottle's ruined. I can never use it. Blah, 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 blah. Right. It's through this whole thing. We got done. Then we talked about it. And I'm, I, I realized that had that been the way that the culture dictated me to act as a child, I would have been either told not to cry about it because it was inconvenient or it's no big deal. It's just a water bottle. I don't know why you're getting so upset about this. It's not that important, which is in some ways even worse than suppressing it because now I'm acknowledging that you feel it, but I'm completely invalidating it and saying that what you're feeling isn't important. Yeah. So I thought of it in terms of like, what if it was someone who had wanted a new car or a new truck of a particular make, model, whatever, and had worked and worked and worked and saved up and finally I've got this thing and I drive it off the lot and I take it to the gas station and I immediately run into one of those little concrete things that keeps you from hitting the pole or hitting the pump and put a scratch on it. Tiny little scratch. You'd have to be looking for it to find it. The way that that adult would feel is how my son was feeling, but without the logical reasoning, reasoning factor to say, oh, this is just a scratch and that really sucks that I did that, but I can get it buffed out or whatever, right? Yeah. He doesn't understand that. All he has is the emotion that's at the root of it. And so understanding that that's what that kind of behavior is, it's just an indication that neurons are doing what they're supposed to be doing in the brain and chemical reactions are happening in the body as they should be happening. And that my job is to help him figure that out and navigate it. Um, it led me to the point... It, of understanding that that punishment especially to a kid that age yeah just doesn't do anything except make things worse you know like a, a kid does something and gets upset and you know we're all familiar with the idea or with the 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 cliches of stop before i give you something to cry about and all that right mm -hmm. uh, understanding that, that this isn't a personal attack this isn't them being a little asshole and and you know when i hear or see guys talking about, I don't negotiate with terrorists. I'm like, your son's not, my son's not a terrorist. My son is <laughs> a, a human being in development who doesn't have the tools to deal with these feelings that he's having. And so why would I, why would I punish him for that? Yeah. You want to educate, you want to teach, you want to guide. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and um, into so, so, so for me, that, that whole thing sort of comes down to this, that like, um, a weak dad will focus on punishment. 
An average dad will focus on teaching. A truly, truly strong dad will focus on connection. Because if I can make that connection with the child, if I can let the child know that I am your safe place, that I'm not afraid of all these these emotions that you're having and all of this this chaos and turmoil that you're experiencing when you're in in a negative state and also the joy and happiness that you're experiencing when you're in a positive state i can handle all that because i'm the grown-up bring it to me bring it to me i will help you sort it out right understanding that that is like the pinnacle of dad strength to me that's fantastic and i I realized that that once through my own experience and through talking to other people who who are philosophically similar i've come to realize that once that connection is there teaching becomes very easy and punishment doesn't really it becomes unnecessary yeah yeah there's more of an understanding in that connection there yeah yeah because because why would you punish someone for making a mistake yeah yeah that's so true david this has been an absolutely fantastic episode. I appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing your insights and your life lessons along the way. Certainly um, can't wait to to have everyone hear this episode and, and anyone that wants to connect, just go ahead, hit the link in the show notes below. But I'm going to recap some of the things that you said really quick along the way, David, because you know, that's not a suit. At a very young age, identifying that the physique that somebody had was not something that was bought. It was not cosmetic. That was that was that person. And the power of the mind to build that clear vision into where you wanted to go as a 10-year-old boy and to have that, that patience and that love of the process, the love of training that gets you to the destination, and then adventure becoming a chore. A lot of us listening, a lot of, the, a, a lot of you guys might be fathers or becoming fathers like myself. When Congratulations the, on that, by the way. Which thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I think I shared that a few episodes ago. Uh, well, you, you <laughs> I didn't want to say anything during the episode. You had told me ahead yeah. of the episode, but I didn't know if that was public knowledge or not. So I didn't want to be like, and you'll understand this when your kid gets here next year. You know. Yeah. So. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. This this will actually be coming out right around when when my when my child will be born. So I'm excited Fantastic. for that. Um, very timely. And, and that is likely when the adventure becomes the chore, when you just can't wait to get back to your son, can't wait back to get back to your daughter, your child. And then if it's not happening fast enough, you just enjoy the training, enjoy the process, as I mentioned before. Something that's measurable, your progress is measurable. You keep your attention towards that creeping incrementalism, that mm-hmm. little bit, that one card day in or week in, week out, adding that single card words and thoughts mold us and then we fall down to learn how to walk so failure is a way to get better and then the impression of increase the impression of increase leaving others better than where they are and then focus on that connection when it comes to parenting just some of the tips left by by david through this episode david thank you so much for being on to the audience thank you for making it to the end we appreciate you taking the time and of course, you know what I'm going to ask. Hit that like button, hit that share button, subscribe so you can get a new episode each and every single week. And you can also leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. And of course, the best compliment you can give us is by sharing this with a friend you know will get value from it as well. Appreciate the time, guys. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Let's get back to the next day. I think we're gonna do a great job.